The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk TNT Radio. This is World Stage, exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to talk a minute about C.J. Hopkins' Substack, C.J. Hopkins' Substack. On December 21st, he published The Year of the Mindfuck. I'm just going to talk about this for a minute and just launch right into it. I love him. I love his writing, and I love his passion for uh, freedom, freedom of speech, and sarcasm and wit. He writes, well, that's pretty much it for 2023, The Year of the Mindfuck which I'm officially dubbing the year of the mindfuck. I'm doing that against the advice of my attorney, who is A, trying to keep me out of German prison for as long as possible, and B, trying to stop me from gratuitously alienating whatever remains of my former readership and going totally broke. I'm not making that particularly easy for him. He's being prosecuted for the cover of a book he published in Germany, I think called The New Normal Reich, He's a passionate advocate for free speech, and he has complained vociferously about the amazing encroachments upon freedoms around the world in the name of COVID over the last four years now. The second paragraph goes, the thing is no one wants to hear that they've been mind-fucked. People want to hear that other people have been mind-fucked. And I love how my native New York comes out when I use that particular word. He continues, well, we have been that word. Other people have been thoroughly mind-fucked, but that doesn't mean that other people, i.e. the people who want to hear that other people have been mind-fucked, but not they have been themselves have been mind-fucked, haven't also been mind-fucked, which is what I've been mostly writing about in 2023, which, as Matt Taibbi put it in a blurb for one of my books, probably is not a profitable life choice. All right, I shouldn't have interrupted myself in that second paragraph to make it more garbled than uh, than it had to be. But I assure you, at cjhopkins.substack, you will find the voice of someone on message, on point, and right from the heart, talking about our essential freedoms. He's a very creative, very smart uh, writer. And he's a he's an award-winning playwright, novelist, and political satirist. So there, consider that a bonus Christmas gift if you weren't already aware of C.J. Hopkins. And uh, thank me, thank me in the future. With me this hour is A. W. Finnegan, a researcher and writer affected by Lyme disease and immune tolerance, whose new book is The Sleeper Agent. The Rise of Lyme Disease, Chronic Illness, and the Great Imitator Antigens of Biological Warfare, published by Trine Day, for whom I do the marketing. This book documents the secret history of biological warfare fought between global superpowers since the Spanish flu of 1918, the bioweapons of Eric Traub, and the weaponized ticks, Lyme disease, and many incapacitating agents now overwhelming the Western world, causing an epidemic of chronic disease, mental illness, and cancers. You can learn all about the book at thesleeperagent.com. Thank you very much for joining me today. Adam, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. 
Thank and, you uh, very much. Mm -hmm. You can you can let me know uh, where you want to, what you want to start with, and we can go from there. Excellent, Adam, and I shall. I like how uh, Chris launched into the podcast last week, so I'll I'll try to emulate him by asking you to to talk about your your personal just like chris says your personal journey into this realm nice broad question yeah so um my journey with this uh since i later got lyme disease well much earlier uh my mother had had contracted lyme disease um some people from my hometown i grew up in grafton massachusetts um and i had actually come across the book lab 257 and uh i believe 2005 or six i think it was 2006 um by michael christopher carroll and and basically that was kind of the book that got eric traub a little more a lot more famous uh i mean not not everybody knows his name but those who do usually know it from that book lab 257 and of course he was also mentioned in linda hunt's um book on operation paperclip secret secret agenda um and michael christopher cow i read that book lab 257 and i was really intrigued by this character trob um and actually the one who wrote the introduction to my book john loftus was his source at the time but there was not much that he could tell carol back then um and so i got i got chronically ill i'm pretty sure i had i may have had lyme disease for a long time but i got chronically ill in 2016 and eventually figured out that i had lyme disease with the reactivated latent viruses that it often comes with and mycoplasma co-infections uh i'm not sure i i could have other tick uh tick co-infections because usually you don't get just lyme disease but the problem is that's it's kind of tricky to find them all but when i got sick I started, I realized how controversial the disease was when I tried to get help from the public health system. And I was always getting the runaround and they were sending me to all these different specialists. Nobody, none of them could really figure out what was wrong with me. And eventually, like so many other Lyme sufferers, they, they're told that there's nothing wrong with them and they can't find anything wrong with them. So I was kind of like, just, it was, it was kind of, it was very disheartening because, you know, you don't realize that these things can happen to you in America where it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sick, but yet they're telling me that there's nothing wrong with me. You're so quite sick I, with, if I could pry, Adam, if you don't mind, just briefly, what kind of symptoms or suffering were you enduring? And 
not enough or nothing is registering on tests. So they're saying we think it, they're implying it's all in your head. Yeah. I mean, so it started with like dizziness, vertigo. I remember at one point I was vomiting, but I had these strange headaches that were unlike any other headache I've ever had. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Almost like this, in a way, like this low-grade vibrational electricity feeling almost, but a headache nonetheless where it kind of feels like, kind of feel like you have your your brain in a, in a vice or something. And, you know, it goes all the way down into my sinuses, like the bone in my face. And so they took scans and they're like, we don't see anything wrong. And... So this, this bleeds into the whole idea of immune tolerance, which is chronic immunosuppression, and the reason why um, these tests come back normal. Because, because the, the inflammation is not quite there, even though you can, if there is any inflammation, it's a low-grade inflammation, but it's not the typical you know, where your head's all puffed up like you can see in a scan. So it tends to go kind of under the radar. Now, along with this comes a lack of antibodies. And the blood work also comes back normal. And so this, when I, when all of this happened, I started looking more into this guy, Eric Trapp. And the whole thing about Lyme disease, because I said to myself, why is this so controversial? You know, Adam, Adam, I want to hear that. But real first, quick question. How does anybody deduce that they've got Lyme disease? Is it primarily self self-diagnosis and conclusions because of one's own personal research? Um, no, it's you can. So back then, after a while, because of my mom's whole experience, you can go to other these other doctors, Lyme, they call them Lyme literate doctors, but you get certain tests that can tell you um, whether you have these infections, and those tests came back positive. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So, little, little mini, uh, mini Lyme disease 101. Thank you. Yeah. So I was able to confirm that. And I started looking into this whole Lyme disease, biological warfare connection. And I, I had always kind of been interested in the subject. So it's not that surprising that I, that I took this whole journey in writing this book. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard about this for years, frankly, and maybe that comes from books like Lab 257 and the other one, right? It's been more or less out there that Lyme disease somehow came from Plum Island and some from secret research. Is that true? Yeah. Um, it okay. was kind of... Lab 257 definitely made that connection, but it was only like a brief section in the beginning because that book was ultimately about Plum Island itself. It wasn't really... 
about Lyme disease. Okay. But since the Lyme up, well, I'm satisfied. The, you could definitely go into okay. a teaching right. now of uh, what what's in your brand new book, The Sleeper Agent. Yeah. So, um. I had I had made like this timeline in 2017 and I ended up getting a hold of John Loftus had found him on like I believe it was on Facebook back when I was and on social media and tell <laughs> like, and tell tell me who I know who John Loftus is but in your words okay he is the one who originally made the connection to Lyme disease and biological warfare in 1982. Uh, he wrote a book called America's Nazi Secret. And it was he was a, a, a Nazi hunter or a Justice Department federal prosecutor who was, whose job was to find Nazi war criminals hiding in America after the war, after World War II, and prosecute them. And his book basically, and he did he did his work in the, he did his work in the 1970s as a as an investigator, like you say, and you know yeah. in the Justice Department and other uh, agencies. Yeah, he wasn't roaming the world, right, looking for Nazis. No. But he was studying the record and found the record of how we brought so many over after World War II in Operation Paperclip. Yes, and what's interesting is he had said that. Lyme disease was being spread by ticks before it was acknowledged by scientists that it was being spread by ticks. And the following year, they confirmed that. So he had seen this line, this biological weapons timeline that I had made a long time ago, and he eventually replied. And then I started talking to him. And that's when we we maintain correspondence since that time been many years now and then he introduced me to some film people that was that were also looking into these matters and i ended up kind of writing my book while also acting as an advisor to them and my good friend crystal was able to help me to get a lot of the materials because a lot of Eric Traub's work, which I had collected the entirety of his work, a lot of it was in, in German and only available at German universities. And so I had to pay to get each uh, publication, you know, and it, it was quite a lot. And your, your, and your I, interest, your interest in anybody's interest in him related to these things, Adam, correct me if I, if I don't have this right, is because he was a Nazi scientist who was brought over here. And he worked in a number of places in America, and you were you were studying his work deeply, more deeply than anybody else. That's my understanding of what you've got in the sleeper agent, right? And yeah. you're going to lay out. You found what he okay, what he was. But I just wanted to get that on the table. Like that's who this fellow uh, was. <laughs> and you know what, Adam, I'm going to reintroduce you. Yeah, uh, A.W. Finnegan, writer of a brand new book, The Sleeper Agent. The Rise of Lyme Disease, Chronic Illness, and the Great Imitator Antigens of Biological Warfare. And now here is important information from TNT Radio.
TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there, and Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. I bet you more than 50% didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. since since well under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world these people are have been after israel forever and and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not uh, you know basically uh create chaos in the middle east terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh, the two one attack in israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped joe hoft on today's news talk radio tnt the Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is World Stage, and with me is A.W. Finnegan, author of The Sleeper Agent, The Rise of Lyme Disease, Chronic Illness, and the Great Imitator Antigens of Biological Warfare. And Adam, you... You have introduced us to Eric Traub, Nazi scientist, brought over here, and tell me what what was his role in in the in the development of things, and just and just tell me his history that uh, you know as you see fit, you know, based on what's in your book and what what you wrote this book in order to tell the world about what's going on. So, I ended up looking into Eric Schaub deeply and actually studying his entire collection of research, like all of his published research. I translated all of the German research into English. Uh, and, you know, I don't know German very well, but I was able to use when you want to know something bad enough, you will go through it and you will, you will do all of that hard work. And that's what I did. Um, and so I started studying every paper and i had got myself a very good understanding of immunology before that from um some other lyme disease activists who are who are very helpful in elucidating this uh condition called immune tolerance which is for those who don't know in other words it is a it, it is you can think of it synonymously with chronic immune deficiency a burned out immune system or an exhausted immune system that is not able to keep up like a healthy immune system. And I had learned about this condition before I started looking into Eric Traub. And I, what I had found was that he was actually the one to discover it with a virus, with a mouse virus in, in 1936 at the Rockefeller Institute 
when during his first tenure in, in the United States, he came here twice. He came in the 30s and then he came again after the war uh, in 1949 to 1952. So I started looking into him and, and what his work had shown was a lot of original ideas in virology. And of course, this also um, is the case for bacteriology. And um, his, his work had shown why lab tests can come back completely normal. That was one of those things that was very key that I was able to find that in very clear terms, he was able to show why you have normal scans, why you would have no abnormal blood work, and why uh, very little inflammation would be involved. And it kind of strikes at the heart of our understanding of disease, being that it is promoted that all disease is inflammation. But what his work had shown was that that's only halfway true. There, there are two spectrums of disease being acute disease, which is measured by and which is accompanied by a lot of inflammation. But then there's a polar opposite spectrum, which is measured, which is chronic disease. And this is often um, measured by immunosuppression. And this includes with it a lack of the noticeable inflammation. So I was able to get, I was able to wrap my mind around these concepts very well because I spent years studying them. And I, I could probably tell you if you, if you told me the year, I could probably tell you what papers he had written that year, you know, from like 1933 all the way to his death in 1985. You're a man after my own heart, Adam, with that kind of, uh, dedication yeah. to the research. Continue. Thank you. So he became not only how he discovered these things, but he was also like a a most valuable player in the bioweapons game for the entire world. He, you know, he was so valuable. He ended up working for several superpowers. Um, Do you know what? You know what, Adam? That's a great segue into what I what I got in your in your intro um you know that your book documents the secret history of biological warfare if if you if you wanted to take a couple of minutes and teach about where that where where you see it kind of starting back maybe about 100 years ago and Traub's influence in it but the the way the players played against each other and how they have infiltrated each other and hmm. what has been unleashed upon us in the last 50, 60 years and what we're suffering now by the invasion and the, un the, uh, the, the unleashing of these horrible things. Yeah. And so I remember you saying, um, starting with the Spanish flu, sp the Spanish flu is kind of the event that really got this uh, biological weapons race rolling. Even though in the first chapter, I talk about older attempts and actually I have the first American president, George Washington, quoted on the deliberate use of smallpox as a weapon by the British. And so I talk about those early attempts and such, uh, several epidemics that occurred. Some were in cattle 
I talk about the um, potato famine being a suspicious event. I, I don't link it with certainty, but I say that it's a suspicious event. And then um, there was all this activity leading up to the so-called Spanish influenza or, or the 1918 influenza. And that was kind of like the point where all where a lot of the world superpowers were like, OK, obviously, uh, disease is a very destructive um, thing. And if it could be used as a weapon, it would be a very powerful weapon. And what they liked about biological warfare um, in opposition to nuclear warfare and, and chemical warfare was that they could say they could get away with with doing with unleashing an attack and saying, hey, it was an act of nature, you know, so it was always something that that any country who was using it could plausibly deny. So it became one of those valuable weapons. And especially for the Soviet Union, they thought that the 1918 influenza was a British biological weapon. And it, it actually may have been. I, I can't say with absolute certainty, but some of my research does lean in that direction. And they, of course, aren't very economically powerful. They didn't have a lot of money back then. So they're in, they saw biological warfare as something that could be cooked up in these homegrown labs where it could put, produce a lot of it for very little money. So there was that. And then, you know, from from 1918 and then through the world through World War Two and the Cold War, there were many outbreaks um, that occurred. Some were were minor outbreaks, some were more serious. But it seemed to be that this was the go to weapon to fight these wars. And Stalin and his generals had declared in 1938 that this is going to be the weapon to fight future wars. Um, so uh, Eric Traub worked for the Nazis in World War II, and he worked at the leading facility. And all this was like the cutting edge facility in the entire world, and it was called Insel Reims. It was an island, much like Plum Island is and actually plum island the plum island facility was set up based on his descriptions of insul reams um so when we brought him over here he was instrumental in setting that institute up over at plum island for the usda and he he had um contributed in what was called the biological simulant program and actually this was also done in australia but I'll tell you what the simulant program was. It was supposedly taking a harmless microbe, like a, a bacteria that they considered harmless and spraying it all over in the open air, over, over populated areas, right? And, you know, because to them it was harmless. And then they would go and see how it spreads out. And they did, they did this in Britain, in Canada, in the United States, and also Australia was loosely associated with this biological simulant program. Um, and so they allowed Eric Traub to oversee that in America. And of course, British intelligence was over here. Kind of, we were all doing joint research. 
And so it seemed that what happened was uh, we were attacked many times over through this simulant program by secret acts of sabotage, where it seemed that these strains that were supposed to be harmless weren't so harmless. And the and, and the, the cover story for the tests, it's, I'm, I'm guessing, were just to see how things spread. Oh, it's harmless. We just want to see how they spread. And then they were hijacked yeah. by bad actors. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of it's kind of ludicrous because these activities are still going on today. And I, I you know, one question I ask myself is like, oh, OK, but haven't you seen how they spread out already? I mean, it's been 40 years. I, you know, it's something that has is constantly done. And I think it's because they they may have additional activities kind of overlapping it like i know for example that they were also looking at what standard simulants they could use uh from vaccine virus strains so they had cleared vaccinia virus for use as a standard simulant and uh then it then it brings into the the mix the question of what are called aerogenic vaccines are they doing this in attempt to try and, you know, vaccinate the population without their knowledge? And there are all these laws that I discuss that allow this kind of stuff um, that allow these tests to, to go on. And, and nobody is really aware of them. Are those laws that allow it of relatively recent, like maybe 20 years explaining a lot or some of what happened with COVID recently? 1996, they amended the law, um, which was Title 50, 1520, at least for the United States. And so the original law said that they could test biological agents on a population. And then in 1996 or 1997, they repealed it, but and said they made a new law that said, Oh, you have to have permission right but then they said in the exceptions part they said well this doesn't apply if um if it is peaceful scientific research or if it is protecting a population against biological agents which would which would cover aerogenic vaccines and um oh here it is so it says one, any peaceful purpose that is related to medical, related to a medical, therapeutic, pharmaceutical, agricultural, industrial, or research activity, which is a vague term. And number two, any purpose that is directly related to protection against toxic chemicals or biological weapons and agents. So those are the exceptions. That means they don't have to have permission or tell you about it if it's for any of those purposes. And those purposes cover pretty much everything. <laughs> right. In order for them to, to douse unbeknowingly to the inhabitants, 16 counties in this state or four counties in that state, things like that. It, it looks like this is something that goes on pretty regularly across the country. Um, I'm very interested in how and you know what you can document, and you're explaining that very, very well. I just want to you know throw out there, Adam, just for your information that I, I'm 
I'm well aware of the documentation of things like chemtrails. So it might be a real understatement to think like that it's limited in any way, shape or form. And I remember from your conversation with Chris Milligan, and I'll ask you about it now, it's, you know, as these things were developed, let's say here in the United States after World War II, with things like infecting ticks and the way that it has spread, I got the impression from your previous conversation and what I've read of your book so far is that we are we have been assaulted for decades by things that are creating, like I said in the introduction, you know, the incapacitating agents now overwhelming the Western world, causing an epidemic of chronic disease, mental illness, and cancers. I, I think we might do well if it doesn't interrupt your train of thought for you to just tell me everything you can about that. Yeah. Um, so I think that, yes, I have said for a while that I think this whole chemtrails thing has that integrated into it, has these testing activities integrated into it. And I do think it, that it's going on constantly. And I've kind of felt like as of late that I think this is an aerogenic vaccine program rather than just simulant because it doesn't make sense to say, oh, we're just doing this to see how it all spreads out. So we're going to keep doing it constantly. You know what I mean? And, and by aerog some, aerogenic, aerogenic means what? Aero, so that it would be something that is sprayed in the environment and that you would inhale, either it, either you would inhale or it would be able to absorb into your skin, perhaps when it rains and such. That's what I thought, but I wanted to double check. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, these kinds of activities have been going on and, and it was funny because in 1993, when they were looking at what standard simulants they could use or what vaccines they could use as standard simulants, even though they had approved the smallpox vaccinovirus the, or the, it's the smallpox vaccine, vaccinovirus, uh, they, they assess it again in 1993 and say, well, Actually, despite its extensive use for immunization of the human population against smallpox, this is this is a virus of high pathogenicity and it has a long history of lethal infections and post-vaccinial encephalitis, which is swelling of the brain. And that's and, an assessment. If I'm hearing you, that's an assessment of the, the, the vaccine that was being dosed out to the public. Yeah. The one that they had approved as a standard simulant some years earlier, saying that it was safe. Um, what does it mean? What does it mean that something's a simulant? Simulant. So it's a simulant, like a not like stimulant, like coffee, but simulant what? as in a as in a simulation of a more dangerous pathogen. Okay. So the so idea is the, yeah. we use these. We use these so-called harmless bacteria as a That's simulation okay. of how anthrax spreads right. out. Uh, all right. Well, I don't. I want to. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I I, I yeah. thought as much, and you were clear about that. <laughs> but just to repeat what you just said: smallpox, 1990s, what they were spraying, thinking that or asserting that it was safe. It was evaluated to be no, no, no. This has a very nice history of being very, very dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, okay. And I also have a letter to Albert B. Sabin where a guy is saying that, hey, we can we can we can culture the smallpox vaccine virus, vaccinia. We can culture vaccinia virus 
in this simulant agent that we use called Bacillus subtilis. He's saying they can grow that virus in that bacteria. And that bacteria was one of those bacteria that they used on a large scale in that simulant program. So it was like when they're growing that in that bacteria, they're like, okay, it seems to me like they're looking for a way to implement these vaccines for aerogenic use. Um, Purportedly as a, as a protection. That's, that's the, uh, Cover That's story. the justification, I think. And, you know, right. even even he, when the sometimes they say that the, the, the road to hell is paved with the best intention. Sometimes there's a lot of stupidity involved. But then we also have biological sabotage. A.W. Finnegan Finnegan is with me talking about his brand new book, The Sleeper Agent, The Rise of Lyme Disease, Chronic Illness and the Great Imitator Antigens of Biological Warfare. And now here is important information from TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. I'd like to thank Senator Lindsey Graham. Recently, while speaking on ABC's This Week, he brought up some important issues that are very important to the survival of our democracy and what's going on in this country right now. And by the way, they've gotten lost in the shuffle with all the concentration on what's happening to Donald Trump, et cetera, et cetera. So give a listen right now to what Graham said. It's not a rule of law based ruling. It is a political decision. The hatred of Trump is so widespread. You know, the Democrats want to pack the Supreme Court, abolish the Electoral College, make D.C. and Puerto Rico a state and nationalize elections through H.R. 1. This Colorado Supreme Court made a political decision. In my view, there is no constitutional basis for the decision they rendered. I think it will be a a slam dunk in the Supreme Court. Donald Trump will eventually be on the ballot in Colorado. Of course, Graham talking about Colorado's Supreme Court removing Trump from the ballot, and they will not stop with Donald Trump. It's very, very important. Uh, no more electoral college if the left has its way, nationalizing elections, etc., etc. They do not like our democracy. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. You're listening to Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. With me is A.W. Finnegan talking about his deep research into the history of the development of biological weapons and biological warfare. 
Adam, what would you say? Well, what's on your mind based on our conversation? I don't want to short circuit if you uh, have something top of mind that we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I don't. I remember you had said something about the the uh, the chronic disease, cancer, and mental illness trio. And I don't know if I had answered if you were asking me to explain that, uh, but I, I can do that. Um, so <clears throat> this immune tolerance phenomenon that are the result of all of these incapacitating agents that Eric, especially the ones that Eric Traub worked with, what happens Adam, is uh, before you maybe insert right here, how widespread those antigens are, how much have we been suffering from them? How ubiquitous are they? What, what are the, how widespread those antigens are how much have we been suffering from them how ubiquitous are they what what are the possible numbers of people who've been afflicted and when did that start let's get that let's discuss that and then make your point yeah all right so in 19 and after world war ii this is when that biological simulant program got really rolling and this is when Eric Traub was brought over here in 1949, and he they made him a supervisory bacteriologist. So he was like very, very high up in the U.S. biological warfare program because there was he was one of a kind. He was one of the most skilled and knowledgeable virologists and bacteriologists on Earth at the time. Okay. Even though he was just a veterinarian, he worked at the leading institute and throughout that was the cutting edge institute of the whole world and so these antigens he went to work um weaponizing over 40 many pathogens over 40 viruses and rickettsias and rickettsias are those tick-borne diseases that are off that often accompany um lyme disease spirochetes and so he had found this condition in that virus early on but he, he 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 was able to realize what it was that was causing that and start to weaponize all these other pathogens um and so they're on things like the lyme disease spirochete they're on a bunch of different viruses they are on I mean, they're on a bunch of different pathogens that cro cross all of those domains, parasite, blood parasite, you know, virus, bacteria. And the level and what also happens is the shots that they give people seem to be causing the same um, burning out of the immune system. So that also plays into this. And that seems to be the reason why countries in like the western countries while they're supposed to be the most advanced medically have the most outrageous numbers of chronic disease mental illness and cancers um so it kind of it kind of reflects that just how per pervasive it is um and and, there, and there's a lot of people talking about it's or it's just being reported all over the place it seems to me or frequently anyway yeah that we have that we do have 
over the last many decades, a real rising tide on the graph of the occurrence of these of these of cancers and neurological mental disorders and chronic diseases. And I'm 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 really seeing how it uh, you're describing this is a huge uh, yeah. factor in in the in this these occurrences. Mm hmm. Major, major problem. And, you know, I, I, I think I, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure I had read an art, seen an article, at least within the last few years, it said something like cancers is rising like 300%. So it's, it's becoming a serious, serious problem. And we do know that um, cancer is one of those things that kind of accompanies this immune tolerance condition because when the immune system gets, gets suppressed it reactivates these latent viruses that are considered oncogenic or cancer causing Adam, also, yeah if i could zigzag just because i want to ask sure. a couple of things so far it sounds like you know like why and how is this being done? Let's just focus on America. Why and how is this being done or has this been allowed to happen to Americans? Who's done it, either through stupidity or intentional evil? And also, describe, the, the you know, paint the picture of biological warfare between countries for me, if you would. Okay, so... I'll try to I'll try to answer each one here. Um, first, we have um, well the the a lot of there is a lot of stupidity involved, but there is also some level of what you know evil and ill intent, and of course between superpowers and you know I. Uh, Throughout all of this research, I noticed that it there was a large sympathy for communism in these areas of public health. And, you know, those guys uh, like Albert Sabin, Jonas Salk, the inventor of those vaccines, like Jonas Salk, for instance, I talk about him in the last chapter being linked to several communist front groups. Um, and then Albert Sabin teaming up with with one of their top bioweaponeers to make the oral polio vaccine. And they obviously had a massive biological weapons program that they were, and they were, they were unleashing bioweapons on, on America through people like Traub and, and other guys. I'm, and so I think there is a lot of stupidity, but I think there's also that sabotage element that, infiltration and sabotage um and you know i i think of there's this other book by rs climber called the age of treason where he's talking about communists that are trying to pass laws um in the realms of psychiatry and medicine that are very dr draconian and using chemicals that are poisons and as though it would you know back up sabotage deliberate sabotage deliberate poisoning of of the the western civilizations communists in america or are yeah. american researchers and you know position holders with communist affiliations 
Yeah. So sometimes it could be people that have come over there from there who were trained at like Moscow University. Um, but also it could also be people that were born on American soil, but are very sympathetic to the cause. And, you know, a lot of people kind of fell prey to that especially in in the medical fields for some reason just a lot of uh sympathy with with communism and socialism so they um you know it's not surprising some of the things that i find but it is kind of surprising at the same time like uh, allowing someone like albert sabin to team up with this mp chumakov who who was unleashing large-scale epidemics on the muslim and mongolian populations over there to test out bioweapons for stalin you know okay now but but this is there's also legacy today with the son of a soviet or russian yep. bioweaponeer in a high position here tell me about him so that guy that i just mentioned mp chumakov his son is running vaccine safety and review at the fda right now he was the one uh signing off on the covid vaccine and and he also suggested that we use oral polio vaccine to combat sars coronavirus 2 which you know because that sars coronavirus is a is immunosuppressive that would be a terrible idea if you're giving people this live virus and, and he's, the, know, he's the current he's the current head yeah, of the vaccines for the fda okay vaccine safety and review Right, which is which is an implication worthy of, of you know a thorough exploration by by itself. But I want to ask you this question: Where you saw communists or communist sympathetic people, may, was that more or less in the in the history after World War II? And are you would you would you think that or be comfortable with me dissolving communists or socialists today? as uh synonymous with globalists who want to undermine the sovereignty and the independent strength uh, of of the united states um did you follow me on that question yeah uh, what i have come to find is that those two seem to be synonymous or at least what work together on enough thing i think it seems to me that this is the same group these this globalism yeah. thing and then these it seems like they started to infiltrate our system from very early on and i'm talking you know even before world war ii all the way back you know perhaps from who knows just for a very long yeah. time and so it seemed like over time they'd get in positions because that's that's what the training manuals over in moscow are telling them to do is just, you get in you get in these positions, you get in these high positions, especially in medicine and psychiatry and stuff, and you start changing the system. You start transforming the system, right? So it seemed like they've been here for so long that yeah. eventually this group kind of became what is known today as the globe, this whole globalist thing. And you described the intentional uh, inflicting bioweapons on the American population, let's say in the last 70 years, post-World mm -hmm. War II, by folks at the behest of Russia, 
folks, uh, you know, at, at the behest of Moscow. Now it's at the behest of a global globalist kind of agenda, either surreptitiously or, you know, one wonders to what extent in collusion with the official agencies that are running the American labs that are working on these things. What, what, how would you clarify that picture I tried to paint? Well, it, in my personal opinion, it seems as though our public health system has been taken over to such, such an extent, because when you have a mess that doesn't get taken care of, and it was never taken care of, it only gets a, only becomes a bigger mess. And it just seems that it's been so taken over that it's being used more or less as a weapon like a, a weapon against its own people. And, and there's so many books on these things where, you know, they're, they're trying to make these horrible chemicals, add these horrible chemicals into things like the food and the water. And so. Absolutely. And, and Adam, you and I are just getting to know each other over the last few weeks. And I wrote a book called God School, 9-11 and JFK, The Lies That Are Killing Us and the Truth That Sets Us Free. And it it alludes to and references and describes much along these lines that the agencies and institutions that are supposed to protect us with clean air, water, food, healthy you know conditions and situations have been co-opted, thoroughly corrupt, too often intentionally experimenting with us, inflicting harm on us. And now with my you know, over three years of research into what's COVID-19, yeah. uh, who's Dr. Fauci, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, it's yeah. conclusive. And I tend to ask questions as if I'm a, a newbie and a clean slate for the sake of people listening who are hearing this kind of thing for the very, very first time. But I wanted to uh, say all that, Adam, to brag about myself, to hoist <laughs> myself up as something of a, a well-informed uh, uh, colleague, if not peer of of yours, and given the horrors, and we've got a couple, only a couple of minutes left, Adam. Where's the Where's the hope? What do you want your book to cause people to do, and how can we help save ourselves? Well, first, I want to say I will I will definitely look forward to reading your book, and um, second is yeah, I mean, even though the information in my book is not it's 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 kind of disheartening and some might even say horrifying i i think there's hope in that when a lot of when there's light shined on these dark areas the more people know about it then the less it can hide that's kind of always been my argument and you know i close the book by saying i think you know obviously this whole scientific medical uh 20 seconds adam yeah so i i also go through lyme disease and and i i just i lay out in very good terms the entire story of biological warfare it's and, it's yeah it's um continue you've got a you've got more time i have the you can get you can reach me on my site, thesleeperagent.com, and I have a section called videos where I have a YouTube channel where I clarify a lot of things that are relevant to my book, and a person can get a very uh, good feel for what's in my book by watching those videos. 
It's it's an honor to get to know you. I can't wait to read the book. It's it's an honor to participate in a couple of conversations with you. A.W. Finnegan, The Sleeper Agent. Find it at trinday.com. And stay plugged into TNT Radio. Um, lighting the fuse for freedom, you know? And let this inspire anyone who has never had the scary conversations or posted something or written an article or started a sub stack. Get into action. And uh, there's way more of us than there are of those trying to hurt us. And uh, we need every all hands on deck. This is TNT Radio. Radio.